We shall turn now to words you will find in the Gospel according to John. The Gospel according to John chapter 8 at verse 12. John chapter 8 and the 12th verse. Verse 12. Then speak Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. <clears throat> Last Sabbath we tried to consider for a little <clears throat> The relationship between the leader and his followers. Christ leads his disciples to follow. They come after him, not before him, but after. And uh, we mentioned uh, three uh, qualities that were to be found both in the leader and in his followers, namely a right, a willingness, and ability to do that which was appropriate to their respective positions. In Christ, there is a ability and willingness to lead his people. But furthermore, he has a right to do so. He has been called to this work by the Father. And it is in the call of God we say we have always to look for right or authority to do anything which the Lord requireth of us. Therefore it follows that the right to follow him arises from the same source. Those who follow Jesus have a right to do so. That is, they are not doing something for which they have no permission. But they have more than permission. They have the specific call of Christ himself. It is not anything in them that gives them a right to draw near to him. And that is a point that needs to be emphasized. What right has anyone to draw near unto God? What right has anyone to claim any relationship at all with him apart from the relationship that cannot be destroyed, namely, the creator-creator relationship. 
How dare I, to put it like that, draw near unto him? Well, there is only one justification for drawing near. And that is not what we feel, not what we desire, not what we would like to be or to do. None of these, not all of them put together, can ever give anyone a right to draw near unto God. That right is founded exclusively on God's own cause. It is because God calls. It is because Christ says, Come after me, that anyone or any man as it is here has any right to come after him or to draw near unto him. Now let us be quite clear on that point. It is not something in us that constitutes our authority to call upon God or to draw near unto him. It is not even the spirit of grace and supplication. It is not that we would like to present our petition. None of these we repeat, nor all of them combined, enter into the question of life at all. Oh, then what a relief that is. What a tremendous relief that our authority to draw near to God does not rest on what we are or what we feel or what we would like or what we would desire. That it is entirely separate from our frames and our feelings. Our authority is not in us. It is in God and in God alone. But the next thing that we mentioned is not to be confounded with the first. They are to be kept distinct in our thinking, if we are to think clearly and scripturally about man's relation to God. The next thing we mentioned was our willingness to do that of course must be in the field. It is our willingness worked in them by the Holy Ghost, and from that willingness, the ability to follow him is inseparable. Made willing in a day of his power, they are enabled and persuaded to take advantage of the right which is given them in the call of the gospel, and thereby to follow Jesus. Now this day we shall consider for a little the promise given. If any man will follow me, any man will follow me, 
he shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. This privilege, this blessing connected with the soul's relationship to Christ is set before us negatively and positively. He shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And the first thing observable here is the comprehensiveness of the statement. There is no room for exceptions. If any man will follow me, it is not this may be true of it, but this must be true. If any man will follow me, he shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the life of life. That's a categorical statement. That is, it's unconditional from every angle. If any man will follow me, he shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now there are one or two things implied here which we may mention in passing. First, everyone who does not follow him is in darkness. If he is the light of the world, and if there is no other light, and if the enjoyment of this light is to be had by following him, it follows necessarily that those who do not follow him but come after him are in darkness. Now what darkness is this? It is, it is the darkness of death. The darkness of the curse of God. For death and the curse of God are inseparable. And this is darkness indeed. This is the darkness. That is the precursor of outer darkness, where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There is darkness. But this is not only a state. There is something awful about it. Something terrifying. Certainly something terrible. In the chapter we left this morning, there was a passage to this effect. Who hath saved you from the power of darkness? This darkness is active, so to speak. It has power. Power to retain in its grip all who are 
in its grip. It's not easy to get away from darkness. Certainly it is not easy to get away from this darkness. Easy did we say, it is not possible. It is a darkness that has power. Only God can deliver from it. Hence the apostle says, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. They were made partakers of the light of life, delivered from the power of darkness. Now this power is twofold. It is it has a direct relationship to God himself. Because as we have indicated, it is the darkness of God's curse. God is light. But that light has ceased to shine upon man in a state of sin. The cloud of the curse came in between the creature and the creator, shutting out all spiritual life, leaving man in total darkness, in the grip of darkness. But is the power that is uh, connected with or inseparable from this darkness active also on the part of the adversary. He keeps the subjects in darkness. He cannot keep them anywhere else, of course. He is darkness himself. He is in the kingdom of darkness. His power he exercises in the darkness. Never in the light. Indeed, he can transform himself into an angel of light, but he is still an angel of darkness. And he transforms himself into an angel of light in order to carry on and to intensify and increase his works of darkness. Now this is, uh, this is what is assumed in this statement of Jesus. Even that they who do not follow him are in darkness. The darkness of death, of the curse. But what is assumed in, in the deliverance from darkness. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have light. Light. The light that never shines on the kingdom of darkness. 
We have to remember, first of all, that there are degrees of light. The first streak of dawn is very different from the midday brightness of the day. But the first streak of dawn comes from the same source and is of the same nature as the midday light. There's no difference in the source, not in the nature of light, but there may be much difference in the measure or in the degree of it. Now it is noteworthy that in God's dealings with men, Light is the first thing that um, makes a difference in what they are from what they were. In nature, <clears throat> the approach of the winter is heralded first by the shortness of the day. It is as warm now as it was in the middle of June. Yes, and warmer. But the day is not so long. Why? The winter is going to wait. There isn't so much light, in other words. And the same, of course, with the coming of summer. When the day starts to lengthen, there is no other appreciable difference in the weather. Yea, we have a saying that as the day lengthens, the, lengthens, the cold strengthens. The only indication of the coming of summer is that there is more light, not more heat. So it is often in God's gracious dealings with people, in his giving them light. It may be in measure compared with the first stake of the dawn, but the point is that there is light where there was none before. There may not be any warmth of affection. There may not be any appreciable difference according to one's own estimate of things. But there is this. Life. And what is its first effect? It convinces one of the darkness in which one is. If I, if I interpret it aright, that is the meaning of the common saying, the darkest hour is before the dawn. Why? Is it darker in, in fact or no? It is darker by contrast. When the light comes, it shows how dark it was. The same in spiritual things. The first effect of life, we say, is to give men to realize 
And that there is much darkness in them. That they are in darkness as they are in and of themselves. Hence, he who was never conscious of darkness was never conscious of light. Because light has no meaning but in relation to darkness. We must know darkness if we are to know light. And conversely, we must know light if we are to know darkness. <laughs> Maybe I mentioned to you before um, an incident, an imaginary incident that uh, one of our historians has in one of his books. He says, there was a kingdom where everyone was blind. And this man who had sight on one night thought that he could reign where everyone was blind. As the saying is, in the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So he went to this place. And he asked them, do you know that you are blind? The answer was, what is blind? We don't understand what you say. Has anybody told you you were blind? No, because we don't know what that means. So he found it impossible, to, impossible for him to convey to them the idea of blindness. Why? They never knew anything else. And they could only know blindness by having the sight. The same with the darkness in which man is. Tell him he's in darkness. And of course, many under the preaching of the gospel would agree. But if each one was to speak honestly and from the heart, if he were to tell people that they are in darkness, the answer would be, what is darkness? We don't know what you mean. Now nobody could know what that meant. But those who have had some idea of life, some idea of it, it might be intellectual, yes, but in a spiritual sense, no one has felt his darkness until the light of God Upon. He might have felt he was ignorant and many other things, but darkness, in its true sense, is known only to those who follow. If any man will follow me, he shall not walk in darkness. He shall not walk in the darkness of God's he is saved from that in Christ Jesus. He shall not walk in the darkness of utter ignorance of God's salvation. He shall not walk in that darkness. He isn't in it anymore. He cannot walk in it as a matter of fact. But as to conscious darkness, oh, that's another question. In such darkness, he may walk long. So we have to make a distinction between things that differ. 
Who is among you that walketh in dark and hath no light? Who let him trust in the Lord and stay upon his God? Who is among you that walketh in darkness? That's the darkness of the soul who has seen life and who think from the soul that is in darkness and knows not what darkness means. If any man will follow me or will come after me, he shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He shall not walk in darkness anymore. He is saved from the power of darkness. And from a conscious point of view, we might say that the power of darkness consists to a great degree in this. Its power consists in this, partly at least, to make the soul ignorant of the darkness. Oh, how often the Redeemer, in his gracious teachings, how often he warns us against this. that saying of his to which we all would do well to give heed, if the light that is in thee be darkness, how great that darkness. If the light that is in thee be darkness, what does that mean? Oh, well, we take it that it means something like this. You think you have light. But it is not the light of life. It is not the life that is in Jesus. You think you have life. You have life. Oh, how many think that today in church and state. They think they have life. The light of the human intellect. The light which is darkness. And if that light itself be dark, how great is the darkness. If any man will follow me or will come after me, he shall not walk in darkness. He will know and know truly what he ought to believe concerning God and the duty that God requires of him. But not only will he not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of life. And the light of life, of course, is Christ himself. There is then no difference between following Christ or coming after him and being in him or oh, no these are the same they are different exercises or rather they point to different um, uh, different uh, aspects of the Christian life but at bottom they are the same 
to follow Christ and to be in Christ. Now to be in Christ is the sinner's justification. But that is not all the story. He that follows Christ is not only in Christ, but Christ is in him. That's why we try to deal with that part of it in our first um, <clears throat> in our first effort to speak from these words. Christ is in him. And Christ in the believer is the believer's sanctification. The sinner in Christ means the sinner's justification. But Christ in the sinner is the sinner's sanctification. In that chapter we read this morning, the, the apostle refers to that great mystery among the Gentiles, which is, he says, Christ in you the hope of glory. He shall have the light of life. But while this light may differ in degree, it is always, we say, of the same nature and from the same source. We find those who have light and those who consistently pray for more light. More light. More light. And this is not for um, theoretical speculation. More light. Because associated with this light, there is war. It's not a cold light that freezes the heart. It is a warm light that talks, that melts it, that brings it down after itself. Here then there is a motive for following the light. Yes, the light is pleasant. It is a light that attracts. A light that warms the soul. That's a motive for following. But it is this light that enables one to do so as well. So by one and the same light, there is the motive to follow. To follow on, to increase in life. Life of the light, the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And it is this light that gives the power. But what light is it? The light of life. The light of life. Now where there is light, there is movement. There must be a moment where, is, where there is light. We may not be able to detect the movement, but light of necessity is active in some way or other. 
That is true physically, of course, and it is certainly true spiritually. Where there is life, there is motion. It may be very feeble, but it must be there. And the light of life always moves. Or the, the, the light that comes in connection with this light always moves to the source of the light. It is a moment God works. That is its very nature. The light of life. But this is the life, not only that gives life, or in connection with which life is given, it is the life in which that life is nourished. The man who grows in grace, according to the scripture, is the man who grows in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hence the scripture says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He that followeth me shall have the light of life. <clears throat> now what do we see in this light? many things, but the most important thing of all is we see by faith the Lord himself. The sun in the heavens is seen by its own light. It is by the light of the sun you can see the sun. And certainly that is true here. It is by the light that is Jesus that we can see him by faith and see him as inexpressibly designable, warm in your heart, drawing us down to himself, in other words, making us willing and able by his grace to follow him, to follow him in this earth, desiring to draw nearer to him, to know more about him, to know more of the blessed effects that come from knowledge of more of the riches of the covenant that are stored up in his person, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. He that comes after me shall have the light of life. Now this light has power. He saved us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That is the kingdom of life. This light has power. 
it is more powerful than the darkness. It is a light that is destined to conquer darkness. Yet it is a light once it shines, it can never go out again. The soul that has received light in and from Christ will have light throughout all eternity. He is made meet for the inheritance of the saints. Where? In light. In light. What does that mean? Does that refer to the light of heaven? No, not in the first place. Who has saved us from the power of darkness and translated us. It is he who made us meet or suited or fitted for the inheritance of the saints in life. What is this fitness or this meekness as it is? Which meat is the old English word for fit, as you know. He made us fit. He equipped us for the inheritance of the saints in light. How did he do that? By giving life. That is the meekness of the saints in light. They have life. Light has shone upon them, and that very fact gave them fitness for the inheritance of the saints in light. This is um, a condition without which there can be no meekness. No man who is in darkness is fit for the inheritance of the saints in light. He, he lacks the essential um, qualification or fitness. What is that? That this light should shine on us. The light that is Jesus, concerning which he says, If any man will come after me, he shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. What makes the, dis the distinction then? Oh, well, it's plainly set forth in the word. If any man will come after that's the effectual call of God. It is by that effectual call of the Spirit that we come after Jesus. It is not something that, has, that is at the disposal of man's own um, of man's own strength of mind and heart and will. No. It is in this effectual call. If any man will come up, he shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. If he will come, if he will not, he continues in darkness. And there's no other way 
it's either darkness or light. As we have it in the, in the, in the scriptures of the Old Testament, I have said before you this day, life and death. It has to be one of the darkness or light. If any man will come after, or oh, how appropriate then is the fear of church. Draw me, Lord, and we will run after.